Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another cool episode of Cisco Champions Radio, Season 3, Episode 6. And I'm Lauren, and we have the Cisco SME host, Brian Levin. Brian, you want to give a quick intro? Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Hi, I'm Brian Levin. I'm product manager on the wireless AP portfolio. So today's a very cool. exciting time that we'll talk about our new Wave 2 access points, but I'm looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. And then on the phone as well, we have Cisco champion Justin Cohen. Justin, hello. Welcome. Hello. Uh, my name is Justin Cohen. I'm from the Great White North up here in Canada, and my specialty is all things internetworking, uh, but wireless is very near and dear to my heart. So hoping for some great conversation today. Awesome. And last but certainly not least, other Cisco champions, Stu Gungan. Hello. Hello, so everyone. What do you do, buddy? Oh, what do I do? Well, I, I, yeah. I, I do things that don't have wires. So, oh, uh, cool. But uh, yeah, so my name is uh, Stuart Gomans, uh, as Lauren said, and my Twitter handle is at wireless stew, and I like things that are wireless. Cool. And you're also in Canada, correct? That is correct, and I'm coming to you from the great white north of Vancouver, BC, and I'm actually inside the Cisco Vancouver office at the moment, attempting to get some collaboration help. Cool beans. All right. Uh, Brian, do you want to give us a quick overview? What's new? What's exciting? What's cool? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. So it's fresh off Cisco I Berlin. So we just came back from really talking about and bringing the message about our new AOTL AC Wave 2 access points that are that were just launched last week for the first time. And it's our entry point into our high-end uh, wave two access ports. So this is a new 283800. These are very, very exciting access points because just kind of the way the industry is going as a whole. So a as we know from all of our devices, there are no wired Ethernet ports on anything anymore. So we come into a typical classroom, a typical conference room. Every vertical has its use case. Come in, sit down, connect your laptop, connect your smartphone, and expect everything to work well. So with the new 283800, we're bringing a bunch of new concepts and a bunch of new features to make that transition easier. So uh, some of the things that we're really bringing in are first uh, AOTL and AC Wave 2, which is multi-user MIMO allowing multiple users to simultaneously receive traffic in the uplink, getting more, I guess, more performance out of your network. Also, we're bringing 160 megahertz channels so this is the first time, first product on the market that supports the full 160 megahertz, which just means that with the channel width and the size, you're able to support up to 2.6 gigabits of over-the-air throughput per radio. Another very interesting thing that we're introducing with these access points is a concept called flexible radio assignment. And so that's allowing your radio to dynamically change between 
2.4 gigahertz, 5 gigahertz, and over-the-air monitoring, depending on how your network is performing. So it kind of takes the configuration away from the network administrator. It has the access point configure itself. Does it have any one of those fun Cisco acronym names? <laughs> it does, FRA. Okay, I so that's kind I of the abbreviation we'll there. That and, okay, excellent. FRA. Yeah, and um, our thirty or thirty-eight hundred access point also introduces NGIG. So this is the first access point on the market with with multi-gigabit support. So this is a great overall story because you have these AO211AC wave two hundred sixty megahertz capable radios, two of them, which combine to five point two gigabits over the air that feed back into a five gigabit NGIG port, which goes to your your uh, MGIG switch, and finally to your Cisco WLAN controller that's capable of 20, 40, 60 gigabits backhaul speeds. So the over end-to-end -end performance you get with Cisco with these new access points. So a lot of the use cases that we really see driving this is just kind of the growth in data. As you know, more and more devices are coming onto your network all the time. Another trend that we really see is kind of the emergence of, of 5 gigahertz. So as everyone knows, the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum is kind of going away in a sense that there are more and more devices supporting 5 gigahertz. We do, right now, Mobile World Congress is going on in Barcelona, and we do the complete network for that conference every single year. And what, one of the trends that we see every year is that there's more and more 5 gigahertz only clients. So last year alone, we don't have statistics from this year at all, but last year alone, 90% of the wireless devices connected to the network support a 5 gigahertz. So we're connecting on the 5 gigahertz network. So as a result, we build these access points to kind of leverage that and take into that, that performance into consideration. Uh, another very interesting piece of news coming from Mobile World Congress is that uh, there's more and more devices now on the market that support AO211AC Wave 2. Now we're seeing some of the major players, such as Samsung and LG, announce some of the new multi-user MIMO-capable AO211AC Wave 2 devices. So it's a very exciting time as a whole for, for the overall wireless industry, but... Uh, Brian, one of the things, FRA, so, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Is that really kind of a way to keep 2.4 gigahertz relevant, especially in areas where we have high client count to really give us much better performance? Yeah, it's uh, what we see in a lot of our networks is, of course, uh, network administrators and networks are being deployed at very, very, very high densities, right? So initially we would recommend around um, 2,500 square feet per access point or kind of cell radius. As we're seeing more and more clients come into the network, we're recommending, depending on your density, to shrink that cell size down. So we see customers ranging anywhere between 1,000 square feet per cell size to all the way up to that 2,500 number. So as we get into that type of density, we're, we're seeing that uh, the 2.4 gigahertz radio is not needed on every single access point. So rather than turning off that act, that radio, that 2.4 gigahertz radio, this gives you the option to convert over either into a second um, 5 gigahertz radio or a wireless mon security monitoring mode, which allows you to scan the overall channel for WIPs attackers, cleaner interferers, and rogue access points.
We're also introducing uh, more features and more functionality in that radio as time goes on. So it sounds to me like it's a so almost a software-defined radio set that you guys are using now. It's um it's kind of built into our radio resource management and makes the best decisions. It's kind of bringing the intelligence into the network. So from that decision or from that decision-making standpoint, we have our controller and our algorithms that have the best view of how your network is performing and can automatically make decisions based on on how your network should be behaving. So for example, a common use case that we have is you're an office building, right? Office building in the morning has three APs in it. In the morning, very low density, only a couple employees in there. So we have one of your access points doing the security monitoring, monitoring the overall air for attackers, interferers, any kind of security intrusion, while your other two access points are doing five gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz coverage. There's a, big there's a big company meeting, and more employees and customers come into your overall office space. When those employees and customers come in, the density of your network changes, and now you're a high-density type deployment. The radios and the access points see that change and dynamically change into dual 5 gigahertz, giving more coverage for you and your overall network. So it's Brian that you brought up a good one. It's in it's about density, right? Because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's great that we can do 2.6 gigahertz gigabits per second per radio, but I think everybody here would agree that what we really need is we need to have that multi-user MIMO experience and uh, to be able to have multiple users and more users per access point as as we go to more of a a wireless uh, desktop for all of our client devices, right? And I mean, lots of lots of vendors are, are out there saying that they're going to do Wave 2 and multi-user MIMO. What I'm really interested in is how is Cisco differentiating itself with the HDX-type features with their implementation of Wave 2 versus the other, the other guys? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, that's exactly where our flexible radio assignment really comes in, or FRA, and that, that's taking the intelligence into the radios. So, of, of course, both of the radios support the 160 megahertz clean air, which allows you to scan six or, sorry, eight simultaneous 20 megahertz channels concurrently to see what types of non-Wi-Fi interference is on the band. In addition, we have ClientLink 4.0, which is kind of a built on the 3.0, which allows you to do beamforming on legacy ABG and AC Wave 1 and AC Wave 2 clients. So this allows you to extend your overall network capacity out by using multiple spatial streams to create a beam. In addition, we've added additional hardware features, such as something we call zero-touch ABC or zero-impact ABC, where we have built in custom hardware accelerators for all of the mission-critical type data crunching that happens on your access point. So for anything such as ABC, which uses very processor intensive, we offload that to a specific hardware to speed up your performance. Any security encryption, decryption is also offloaded to that same accelerator. So you get better overall performance, allowing the same speeds that you get over the wire to come over the wireless as well. So I, you know the 160 uh, megahertz um, bandwidth is awesome for the for the customers that need the high speed, 
but the concern there is the massive amount of spectrum that we're using. And I, I know there's some new features that are in there that how it can dynamically change the bandwidth depending on load. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in addition to flexible radio architecture, another feature that we recently announced is dynamic bandwidth selection or DBS. And what, what this does is this dynamically senses the RF network and then picks the right channel width for the right performance. So for example, I'm a high density type open office space, right? So all the access points are very close together. So what we do is we detect that these access points would prefer to do non-overlapping channels. So they would drop down to 40 or even 20 megahertz channels in that area. But on the same controller, same network, you have a conference room that's a little bit more isolated or a break room that's a little more isolated that has wall separation and can extend to the 80 or 160 megahertz channels. So on the same controller, same network, you have many different channel widths depending on the RF environment in those areas. And, and but that does that change that changes dynamically though based on conditions like if you have a conference room that you're running 160 megahertz in but you end up with say a whole bunch of people in there and we need more channel density does it adjust that on the fly or is it sort of locked that way no absolutely it's on the fly as your network changes the channel width also changes so every iteration the algorithm looks to see best performance at 20 40 80 and 160. It selects the best for that specific radio, moves on to the next. When the RF dynamics change, that is rethought and readdressed, and the next, now the new best channel width is selected. So it's completely dynamic on the fly, depending on how your RF needs change. So uh, Aaron in our chat has a question about micro and macro <clears throat> cells, and how do they work with FRA in dual 5 gigahertz mode? Yeah, and that's a great question. So to kind of uh, segment the conversation, there's two products that we're announcing, right? The, the internal antenna version, which leverages this micro and macro cell, because both sets of 5 gigahertz antennas are embedded inside the access point. <laughs> and then there is uh, the external antenna version, which does a little different approach that I'll talk about next. But to jump into the micro macro cell, what we do here is because we have cross-polarized antennas built into the access point for both 5 gigahertz radios, we kind of take this macro micro cell approach. So with the, with the micro cell, it's a smaller cell. We do a little bit lower transmit power with the goal of encompassing all of the 802.11ac clients that are directly near the access point. Because when you're near the access point, you can connect at better data rates and get overall performance. So as we all know, Wi-Fi is a shared spectrum, a shared medium type technology. So if you do have one bad client on your network connecting at very slow data rates, it impacts the overall performance of your whole radio. So we minimize this by focusing that microcell specifically on the well-performing AO211AC capable clients. So they get very high MCS rates, pump fast data, and get maximum throughput. Then we have our macro cell, which is our larger cell, that encompasses all other clients. So all your legacy A clients, your legacy N clients, your clients are very, very, very far from the access point at the cell edge. They all typically connect with lower data rates, and that chews up more airtime. So we force them all out to the macro cell. And so your microcell clients are performing very well while your 
your why your macro cell clients are are doing the best that they can to stay in the network. And then we implement standards-based roaming when you roam from one cell to the next. So a client can roam from the micro cell to the macro cell using AO211K, AO211R, AO211B, CCKM, all of the Cisco and industry-wide standards that are implemented with typical roaming are also built into these two radio cell roaming type environments. Wow. That is uh that's a lot of information there, uh, Mr. Levin. It's uh, it's Stu. How you doing, Brian? Hey Stu, how's it going? Pretty good. Um you know, wow, I mean this is uh that is a a, a lot of a lot of cool toys that uh, that are inside that uh inside those APs. I mean that is just absolutely fantastic. Um kind of uh the, the question that kinda of comes out now is is you know, with a complicate with these kind of design of the macro and the micro cells, I mean, is we have to look at the design differently, don't we? Do we not have to look at the the overall uh, RF design? We have to start maybe putting our thinking cap on a little bit more. Maybe you can comment on that. I think um, with the macro micro cell, we're not looking to greatly influence your overall design. The goal is to still have APs at the same proximity and same placement as you've always had, where. Huh? Where if you were designing your network for capacity at 20, every 2,500 square feet or 230 square meters, you can still do the same with this micro macro. So you just get more capacity in that area. So it, it's it's more that the coverage area is the same because your 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 macro cell is kind of gating your overall cell size. Your micro cell just is a kind of a boost of performance directly underneath the access point or directly in the proximity of the access point. So we, we still recommend anywhere between 1,500 to 2,500 square feet for your, your cell size, your typical cell size. It's just better performance in that same area. Wow, that's, uh, that's really cool. I mean, it's uh, so, and, and you, uh, you also talked about the, uh, the kind of the client link um, 4.0 there, and it's, uh, and so, I mean, is that kind of you're gearing that gearing that up and getting that ready for um, for 80 and 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 160 in the future, or yeah. do you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're gearing it to to, to the larger channel widths and the multi-user MIMO use cases in, in the future. And it, it's very exciting with Mobile World Congress going on and all of these new clients being announced. It's. Uh, I believe beginning of the show, the Galaxy S7 was first announced as. Uh, multi-user MIMO, AO211 AC Wave 2 capable phone, and then LG uh, announced the product as well, and that goes to complement the already existing products on the market. So we're seeing more and more and more product adoption in the AO211 AC Wave 2 space. So this is perfect timing for these access points, because these access points are hitting the market just as consumer pro products are starting the ramp and support the, the standard. So we're we're timing it very very well. One of the th one of the things that's not talked about a whole lot um, in articles that I've read is specifically around the multi-user MIMO and the Wave Two feature, um, and the fact that there's a specific requirement for the client to support that. What's going to happen in a mixed mode world where you have some clients that are multi-user, like Wave 2 clients, and some that are not Wave 2 clients? What's that look like for a performance and RF perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. And what we see with 
uh, kind of a mixed world environment is that when multi-user MIMO clients when uh, are grouped together and are on the same access point, same radio at the same time, that's when multi-user MIMO really comes in and benefits performance. When, when there's not that grouping, you still fall back to your, your legacy um, wave one type data rates. So it's, it's good because airtime air is, is kind of is designated per client, right? So there's only so much airtime per radio. So if you can use a certain period of it more efficiently, that means that there's more airtime for everyone else to connect. So even if you have three multi-user clients connected to a radio with 50 other clients, when those three multi-user clients transmit at the same time or receive data from back to point at the same time, they get your whole overall cell gets a good performance, a better overall performance, freeing up more time for the other clients too. So it's one of those the designs that we've always talked about where say you have a ALO2 element and network and you just have one access point that you can replace with a, with a brand new 3800. If you put that brand new 3800 in the middle of the, the room, you will get better overall performance across your network because clients that connect that 3800 will connect at the wave two rates while everyone else will connect the end. It will clear up more overall airtime and give better overall performance to your network. Yeah, another topic I want to talk about because I went through what the internal antenna SKU looks like, but we're very excited about what we call the external antenna SKU or the, the capability of having two different 5 gigahertz antenna sets into the same access point. So the external antenna SKU is very exciting because it supports all of the same or antennas that we've always supported in our 27, 3700 access points. But with one difference is there's four antenna ports on the top of the device when you look at the face of it, but there's also what we call a smart antenna connector, allowing you to connect four other antenna ports directly to the access point. So this allows you to do like dual directional antennas where you can have one directional antenna pointing in one direction, second directional antenna pointing in another direction. So essentially you have two 5 gigahertz radios or two access points coming from the same one access point. So this just gives you a lot more flexibility. So if you wanted to, to do like a high density type environment, two cells right next to each other, you go and you put the, the two antennas, directional antennas, separate them about 25 to 50 feet apart, and now you have two adjacent cells being driven from the same physical access point. And Brian, that, I mean, that is, uh, and sorry to kind of to, to interject there, but that is, I mean, sounds to me like that's definitely a game changer when you think about maybe a, like a warehouse setting where you want to, um, you know, directionalize on a patch antenna down a corridor of a warehouse and then also maybe directionalize the beam of the energy uh, down, uh, right down on top of the clients as they pass through and go into over maybe to the next aisle or go into an open space. I mean, I mean, that is unbelievable, I mean, that, uh, that that's now available. Yeah, yeah, this is one of the features we're very, very excited about, just because it, it does give you so many more creative deployment scenarios, <laughs> especially you guys being wireless professionals who, who deploy lots of networks. This just gives you more flexibility and more versatility into the product. Well, it's, and it's, I think it's, it's almost two APs for the price of one from a density perspective. 
I mean, especially in your public spaces and where you want to create those microcell type environments um, or, or target specific areas where people are going to be, um, that, that could drive a lot of value. Um, one of the things I noticed was the, the announcement about cross-access point noise reduction, and I'm interested to hear from you more about that because especially in heavy urban areas, I'm in Toronto, and we, are, we have certain areas where the 2.4 and, and starting the 5 gigahertz band are so busy that wireless stuff has a hard time providing any level of service. So I'm interested to hear how that works. Yeah, yeah, that that's a great feature, and that that's part of our overall high-density experience suite. And what we do with this is we adjust the noise floor of what is heard by the access point. By doing this, you, you're allowed to kind of filter out the noise. So the access point doesn't register anything below that noise floor as Wi-Fi packets. So, for example, if you in high density environments where there is a very low noise floor or a very high noise floor where there's lots of crosstalk and lots of just overall data being sent across the network, this gives you the, the opportunity to, to minimize that and only listen to clients that have good RF performance close to you. So the goal here is to, to get the clients that to design your network so that you can I guess, uh, work well in these high-density environments and then get the clients that are closest to the access point to join the access point and perform very well. Did, did that answer your question about... It, yeah, it absolutely did. It just I'm thinking about all of the ways that I'm hoping that's going to help us out with some of the challenging RF environments. Um, we see a lot of a lot of other access points by other vendors, very software-based. Um, and a lot of this stuff they try, to, they try to mimic in software. And it's just not something you can do when we talk about RF and filtering. Um, these are the things that where the high-end engineering and the quality in these higher-end access points really tends to shine. Um, can you give everybody sort of a quick overview of what's the big difference between the 2800 and the 3800? I, I know you mentioned the 3800 has M gig, but what's the sort of what's the speeds and feeds difference there? Yeah, so that, that, that's a great question, and um, the 382800 are, are both very great performing access points. That the key differences with the 3800 is first the M gig port. So the M gig port is able to do one gig, 2.5 gig, and five gigabit Ethernet speed to a single cable to a single line cable. So the 3800 also comes with a second auxiliary Ethernet port. So with that second auxiliary Ethernet port, you can still do lag. And auto lag on, on switches it would allow you to lag those two ports together and get two gigabits, depending on your cable structure. Because lots of our customers, we see a mix of customers who have N-gig switches already deployed or would rather get the performance through pulling two, two Ethernet cables and getting the lag performance. So the 3800 supports both, and just depending on your customer's architecture, which, which uh, I guess, cable infrastructure to use. The 2800 only has the two Ethernet ports. So lag is, so the two gigabit Ethernet port lag is your option for your backhaul of the 2800 access port. Another key difference between the 3800 and the 2800 is the module slot. So the 3800 gives you the complete expandability and future-proofing to install additional modules in the access point as your needs and your network change. 
so historically with the with the 3700 3600 we've had that module slot in the back of the access port. So if you wanted to actually install a module, what you have to do is you have to take the access point off the ceiling, unplug it, unscrew it, put the module in, and then remount it. For a lot of so, AP deployments... So you'll be able to do... Will you be able to do the... Sorry, the Cisco hyperlocation module with that? So when it comes to the Cisco hyperlocation module, um, what, what we've built into these access points, especially the the external antenna SKUs with that dark connector is the ability to plug a location antenna into that port and then with that location antenna the the XOR radio or your 245 gigahertz radio can act as what we call an enhanced location device so we can leverage that antenna to come up with the, loca the location at, similar to what Today's um, hyperlocation module does. And oh, so it's all it, so it's all kind of built into the access point as long as you have that um, the location antenna connected. Exactly. So that's an interesting um, uh, port connector. So I mean, not only does it, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it is a location or security appliance. So what type of other future things do you see for that? Like, do you see something like uh, LTE and? and type of connectors and, and how would that play? Yeah, so when it comes to the module slot, uh, one of the first things, of course, we have a, a small cell module specifically for 3G, 4G LTE on the 3700, and that's what we're looking to bring to the 3800 as well. In addition, um, it just gives you the availability to to future-proof and whatever modules come on the market, you can slide that in without unmounting the access point, without disconnecting it. You just literally turn off the power to the access point, pull the power to the access point, put the module in, screw it in, power back up, and now you have uh, additional radio performance on your access point. Wow, so that's actually really cool because now we're, we're, we're taking um, uh, additional time, uh, you know, uh, we're getting time back, right? Because instead of actually, you know, going up on the ladder, um, maybe uh, taking the safety strap off, uh, taking the AP down, you know, to a safe height and then putting it back. And then, you know what I mean? Like you're, 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 you're actually killing, you know, you're making it more efficient, the process now. Oh, absolutely. And we received that feedback from a lot of you guys and a lot of our customers that the sidecar mount is a better architecture for you to just more efficiently install these modules. So, that that's why we're going with it with our future products. Absolutely, I've, really been, I've been a real fan of I've been a real fan of modularity. I mean, it, I mean, uh, it's uh, especially with the the RM three thousand um, with the security modules and the Halo. I mean, I mean, those are uh, I really like the the way the, that the modules are going on. And same with the the three G LTE module. But now um, it kind of really opens the doors when you think, and it's like now it's it's not just you're not just subjected to the physical footprint because you know really that. The, the 3700 series, 3600 series, we were relatively, um, uh, how would you say, constrained to the amount of, you know, what we could put in to that small little cavities, right? Now, now you, you know, you can, that sidecar can be, you know, uh, a lot larger. Absolutely. Larger or uh, just easier to, easier to install and easier to, to maintain as well. So yes, simplicity is yeah. real. Sorry. No, I think that's, uh, that, that's, that's fantastic. 
So the, we've talked a lot about these access points, which is cool. Now, the, the Brad, uh, I, I have to shout out to my friend Brad Haynes, who's on the chat and has a question about controllers. Because what does this mean for controllers? Does it change the design rules? Does it change how we have to think about our controllers now? What does that look like? No, I think from a controller standpoint, um, first of all, so these access points um, going forward, all of our AO211 AC Wave 2 access points support Mobility Express. So these access points can run as a controller as well. So you can put that same controller functionality on one of these access points like you can do with a 1830, 1850. So, oh, oh, okay, that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't read that part. That's very cool. Now, from a but from a controller perspective, the existing controllers will all support this new stuff, uh, the new access points, obviously with the software upgrade. Um, there's but there's no d additional design considerations uh, other than with all this additional bandwidth. Um, I'm guessing we want to start limiting how often we're uh, tunneling back to our controllers nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So there's. Um depending on your network requirements. But, but first of all, our, our controllers and our overall end-to-end -end architecture it is designed for the 802.11 AC Wave 2 speeds. So that means that, of course, 3800 with M-Gig, right? That 5 gigabit M-Gig port connects to your M-Gig switch, which then connects to your 5520-8540 controller, which has 20-40 gigabits backhaul, respectively. So, so we're designing, uh, we're designing for the the higher throughput use cases in our networks to have the end-to-end -end infrastructure. But as we know, many customers deploy at remote branch sites where WAN is the WAN is always limited. So, in those types of use cases, that's where Flex Connect is typically deployed, allowing you to locally switch those high throughput traffic uh, types directly at the first hop switch. So it would be the NGIG switch or NGIG port to NGIG switch, and then from there go off throughout your network without yeah, going back to the a lot of that. Yeah, FlexConnect's a great feature, and we see a lot of that in the multi-branch sort of world. Is there any, um, any specific controllers needed for any of these new features like Flex Radio Assignment, any of the wireless security features, the dual 5 gig? Is there any, any constraints we need to know about from a design perspective? Um, this is going to be supported on all of our existing court controllers with, with no limitations. The, the one thing that, of course, this this requires a new software image, right? So this will be a 8.2 based software image that we will be releasing specifically for the 283800. So wow, again, so that's you know you're really driving that conversation now over to the uh, to the switch side, and and that's where it drives that multi gig uh, architecture now. Um, and I mean, even now on what I'm seeing on a lot of different verticals with clients is, is uh, in retail, healthcare, and education. And the, on the business side, the enterprise side, we're starting to see, even in Flex Connect, we're starting to see um, huge amount of traffic coming out of each AP now. Like we're talking into the hundreds of gigs. And it's just it's just flowing through those those APs, whether or not they're talking to other machines back and forth, or they're talking just basically to the internet. Um, but that really does drive up that uh, that you know multi-user MIMO, uh, and it's it's here and it's now. And and now we have to go back to that switch conversation and say, okay, well now now we need to make sure that you know our cabling infrastructure is right, we're ready to go. Um, 
should we now start deploying, you know, uh, multi-gig switches? Uh, so that we can get that 2.5 gigahertz out of the AP and the potent, and then and then five if we if we so need it. So, this is a very interesting time, and it's and it's almost like a like a huge shakeup. Yeah, we, we agree 100%. We're very 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 excited about just where the wireless industry is going, and it, it's not just the APs are driving the switching architecture or anything along those lines. It's all driven from the customers, right? Because we see more and more devices. For example, in your typical higher education classroom, this is actually my favorite stat to state because it's where we see 200% connection rates. Every single classroom that we see, that we monitor from a higher ed standpoint, has the students first connect their laptop, second connect their, their smartphone. So if you have a conference room of 200 students, you quickly have 400 devices connected. We're seeing this, most people have two to four devices on their body around them at any given time. So it's just your users are driving wireless connectivity, and because of that, we need to have protocols and speeds and feeds to meet their needs and give them the best overall performance. Even today, it's very common for me to sit at my desk, open my laptop, join a, a Jabra call, a WebEx call, video voice. While the call is going on, decide I need a drink of water from the fountain. Walk over to the break room, grab a glass of water, still stay on my call, still talking, still video playing, then move to a conference room to join my other colleagues. And all of this seamless roaming where applications stay connected, applications perform well, and everyone, or a great overall quality of experience that I have on my device, all wirelessly, all throughout my network. So this is really what's driving the need for, for these new devices. Now, I mean, that's, you know, and, and absolutely. I mean, you, you have uh, maybe you know, three to four devices yourself, and, and that is where it goes right into the, um, to the XOR uh, uh, conversation of where, you know, how now the AP is able to handle, um, you know, maybe you can talk about that, you know, quickly, um, but it's, it's, it's how you're able now to just say, okay, well, now I've got a whole bunch of clients in one room. Now I can better to actually um, kind of judge those data rates, and I can judge the, uh, the amount of clients on that AP. So there seems to be a lot of smarts going on in the background where that, I mean, it's uh, where Cisco seems to have a lot of secret sauce now and then it's, you know, it's blowing the competition out of the water. In my opinion, I mean, I've seen what, what uh, you know, brand X is doing, right? Uh, but um, it, it, it seems that it's, uh, it's, it's a definite game changer. Stuart, you make a good point because the, the difference and the differentiator that we've seen as well with the other vendors is if you test it in a bubble, everybody's fast, right? It, it's easy in a bubble. It's when you get into the challenging environments and you get more and more clients, that's when the specific technologies start to differentiate, you know, Cisco from vendor X and vendor Y. And that's where we've seen a huge difference. And the 3700 series was massively improved over the previous series. And I'm really interested to see how this cross, the cross access point noise reduction and the, the dynamic channel technology and the new client link four stuff makes a big difference to that because that's where I think we see the most benefit. Um, I know every year at you know the Cisco Live US, they always talk about how many wireless devices they saw on the network. And there's, you know, there's what is it, 15,000 people that show up, yet they saw 35,000 different you know, devices or whatever the numbers are, they're usually crazy like that. But that's what we end up seeing is everyone's got one or two and when at technical conferences, three or four devices on them and the density is insane. 
So this is where I think the technology makes a big difference. It's it's not in the, you know, hey, I can do 2.6 gigahertz, or sorry, gigabits. It's the, hey, I can have 500 people connected to an access point, and it actually works. Yeah, that, that's a great point, and that's exactly what we designed for. We designed for for giving a great user end user experience to the network. It, it doesn't matter if you're in a silo and you get those very, very high gigabit speeds to one device. It's it's those hundred devices getting that same great performance and and great overall experience. Well, there's sure definitely a lot to think about here. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's I uh, can't wait to see what, what's going to happen in the next uh, little while, and really excited to see um, this product sit uh, come out at uh, at first customer ship. Um, I know um, um, I hope to see one shortly, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll just hand it over to you, Lauren, in case anybody else has anything else to uh, to talk about. This has been actually really cool, and I want to thank you guys both. Quick question, though. Uh, Stu, you have a website blog. What is it again? Uh, WirelessStu.com. Awesome. And Justin, you as well are have a website and blog? Yes, my blog is CanTechIT. Uh, dot com and my Twitter is the same, also at CanTechIT. Awesome, and I'm at Lauren. And I will thank everyone and see you all next week on the next episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Thank you. See ya. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.